Happy Sabbath, church. Another big amen for our children's choir and shout out to the leadership of that team as well. I don't know when Roxanne was going to slow down. She's been in this working very difficult, working very hard in the music department for many, many years. I was just remembering when I, I think back in the day, we went from the children's choir to the youth choir at the age of 13. I think when you hit teenager years, you went to the youth choir. And it was a Sabbath afternoon, and I'm walking to a children's choir. And I think I just turned 13 that Tuesday, and I'm on the third floor walking to the children's choir, and I just see a big hand grab me and yank me over into youth choir. And it was Roxanne, and she's just a couple years older than me, but there was no way I could say no. And she did it to my son the other day, so I'm going to see if he shows up at the youth choir when they sing. He's 13. Is he 13? Hello, what year is it? What is he, 20? Amen. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. We serve a God that is in the forgiving business. Amen? A merciful God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, is it not, church? Amen. Amen. I'd like to take a, a moment to... I'm going to read the scripture reading again, but I'd like to personalize it a little bit. And what we're going to talk about today is deals with our, uh, it's part of our theme. You mentioned it before, theme for this year is to reclaim and revive. Reclaim and revive. Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 reads, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving them, the children of Tabernacle, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I, will give, I have given to you, as I said to Moses from 103rd Street down to 62nd Street, from I-95 over to Biscayne Bay. All of that you see, no one will be able to stand before you. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen, church. If I had to title the sermon, it would be, Moses is dead. Now get up and go. Let us pray. Father God, we are so grateful to continue in worship today. You and I know that I am unworthy to stand before you, but before your people, but by your grace. So let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, amen. It was 2006. And uh, Dwayne Wade had been with the Miami Heat three years. And that summer, after his third year, Pat Riley uh, 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 got him a little bit of help in the form of a seven-foot, 330-pound giant named Shaquille O'Neal. We got some other veterans, Gary Payton and some others, to round out the roster. We're going for a championship. Because if you're not in it to win the championship, what are you showing up for? So they started a few weeks in, and uh, 
they found out that they, they were being coached by Stan Van Gundy. And they were 11 and 10. Barely over 500. Then on this day, and I think it was December of 2006, Stan Van Gundy decided to spend more time with his family. And he retired. After that, the team got together as players because there was some concern as to whether he quit or whether Riley got rid of him. There was some speculation in MiamiHerald.com. Maybe we'll ask John after sunset to go a little bit deeper into that. But the team said regardless of what is happening with the management, we have a goal in mind. We have to finish what we started. It was a trying time when Moses died. And the children of Israel were still in the, in the wilderness. They had not yet reached their goal. The Bible says that uh, 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 they mourned for 30 days before they continued on their journey. Did their goal switch now that Moses was gone and they were going to be led by Joshua? They were still headed to the promised land. I'd like to point out a few things very briefly, not going to hold you long today. That, and we're going to talk about leadership. We have started a new year, and we have new leaders in different positions. I thank you for those of you that have embraced God's calling for you to lead out of ministry so we can affect change here in this area. But there are a few things we can probably learn from history so we don't fall into the same trap. I'd like to point out three of those things for you today. One, that the same God that was with Moses is the same God that was with Joshua. We serve a powerful God, and the same God that was there with Moses when they parted the Red Sea is the same God that was with Joshua when they parted the Jordan River. The same God that talked to Moses through a burning bush and said, take off your sandals, you are standing on holy ground, is the same God that came down in the form of a commander of his army and said, take off your shoes, you are standing on holy ground to Joshua. It's the same God that rained manna down from heaven under Moses. It's the same God that rained manna down from heaven under Joshua. And the same God that imbued with them the power to fight the Amalekites under, under Moses is the same God that came down and gave them victory over Jericho with Joshua. God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore, regardless of what may be happening. I was, well, my job, I have to deal with local politicians in the city level and on the county level. And uh, sometimes they'll, you know, we're going into another political year, Pastor, and they like to grandstand a little bit sometimes. You go to a council meeting and they will rail on this and that and the federal government and the state this and yada, yada, yada. And it really has nothing to do with the power that they have to affect change in their little city. You understand what I'm saying? 
and they will go ahead and make their pass their ordinances, pass their rules and regulations. But if we focus on what's happening above us, sometimes we get uh, we get pulled away from what our true mission is. And even though it's the same God that was there under Moses and the same God under Joshua, sometimes they did things a little bit differently. Moses sent how many spies to go scout Canaan? Twelve. How many did Joshua send? He sent two. Same result. They got there. They, they got their spies, and they went there, and then they came back with the information. I was uh, last summer. Our kids, they don't normally watch television during the week, right? We give them a little free time over the weekends, but over the during the week, it's, it's about school. And over the summer, they take advantage of not being in school, and they gorge a bit. Last summer, and it's hard to find good media for your children to consume. It's difficult. You can't trust Disney. You can't trust Nickelodeon. Maybe you can still trust PBS. I'm not 100% sure. But we let them watch The Cosby Show. It was on Netflix or something along those lines. So it was, what, eight seasons? So they went through eight seasons in the summer. Have mercy. Pray, church. And as I sat down and caught an episode every once in a while, I, I remember the episode where it was the first episode where Theo had a bright idea to tell his dad, Dr. Huxtable, that he just wanted to be regular people. I remember that episode. You, 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 dad, you're a doctor and mom's a lawyer. That's great. Well, maybe I'm just destined to be regular people. Work at a gas station. Drive a truck. Just regular folk. And Dr. Huxwell said what I would say. He stood up and he said, son, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my whole life. So I remember that episode. I remember when Rudy was sick and he had to crush aspirin and feed her. And she was asking for her mommy. He's like, I'm, I'm the doctor. I remember when Denise and her family moved back into the family. He couldn't get rid of, into the house. He couldn't get rid of his family. And even though I watched it, when I watched it, what night did Cosby Show come on when it was live? Thursday nights. And what station? What station? NBC, right? And Thursday was must-see TV. And if you weren't home at 8 o'clock on Thursday evenings, then something must have gone terribly wrong with your life that day. Because everybody planned to be home to watch the Cosby Show. Then later on, if you're fortunate to uh, get the box set on DVD, you could watch it anytime you wanted. And now we're in a point where you could pull it up on your phone and watch an episode that you'd like. Even though the method of consumption has changed, the message is still the same. I watched the exact same episode this summer that I watched back in 88, 89 when, when it came on. The delivery is just a little bit different. Church, we are in for some changes a little bit this year. Are you with me? Today is our City Serve Sabbath, and I'm so excited to be able to go out there and really put into practice what we have preached about and talked about and read about so many years. And we need to adapt this attitude of service into our church culture. We're so used to coming and sitting down and uh, 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 being fed and being entertained, have mercy. But are we really impacting this neighborhood?
we had an elders meeting and we were deciding where we were going to have the meeting and when and where we were going to come down to church. What we realized was that everybody lived that's on the elders board lived north of Golden Glaze Interchange. So we had the meeting up in Northwest Dade near our house. But what are we doing for this neighborhood? So we're trying to change that today. And I'm hoping that you will join us. And we're going to do things a little bit differently, but the message is still the same. Are you with me, church? Two, continued success relies on investment in the next generation. Moses trained and poured into Joshua at a very young age. When you read through the scripture, you see that Moses uh, brought Joshua up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Joshua was with Moses when uh, Moses exhibited righteous indignation and smashed the two tablets that he had just received from God. Joshua was by Moses' side when, uh, and he was a witness to the holy communion that Moses shared with the Lord as he guarded the tent of meeting in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. If we want what we're doing here as a church to continue, we have to invest time into the next generation. When we were younger, we'd be over here in the corner playing bass and so forth. Uh, Wilkie was there at times, and Adley was a little boy with some drumsticks sticking out the back of his pocket. And now I'm seeing he's married to a beautiful wife, got a degree, I think he got a master's degree too, he's working, got kids, and he's still playing drums today, amen? And I see that in many churches I've been to where these young kids that were just hanging around the musicians or hanging around the preacher, the preacher are now doing the same things that they were allowed to do and experience when they were young. And if we don't do that, the church will die. Let's look what happened to Joshua. Let's contrast what Moses did with Joshua to Joshua. It says the leadership legacy of Joshua is very different from the leadership legacy of Moses. After Joshua's death, Israel drifted far from the Lord and lived in chaos. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died at the age of about 110 years old. His generation at that time was also gathered to uh, their ancestors, it says. After them, Another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. Why such a stark contrast? We don't know for certain, but there is no record of Moses pouring, of Joshua pouring into another young leader the same way that Moses poured into Joshua. And the generation after his leadership did not know the Lord. Our church, Adventist Church, is one of the fastest growing denominations. The North American Division, the Southeastern Conference, is a fast-growing conference. But having said that, we're baptizing many, many people, but the rate that we're baptizing does not match the level of growth. That means that people are walking out the door, the back door, as we baptize them in the front door. And most of that is our young people. By the time they reach 18 and so forth, they make a decision not to be associated with formal religion, Adventist church, whatever the case may be. And studies have been done, and I've mentioned this many times before, 
that as we get our young people involved in ministry, they have more of a tendency to stay around. So I'm going to ask that as we step this afternoon, uh, you know, things are different now. When I was young, we were here all day long, all right, 8 o'clock until midnight. My parents aren't here, so I could tell the truth. I could tell the truth. <laughs> when we stayed out here all day, there was no, uh, it was not a discussion. It was not a choice as to whether I was going to go to choir rehearsal. It was whether Roxanne was going to take me to which choir. That was the only thing I had to, had to debate. But there was no, I don't know how to describe it. Now, I, let, I give my kids some flexibility, all right, you want to play the piano or you want to play the trumpet, you're going to learn the instrument. You can pick which one you're going to learn. Do you want to go to, you want to work on the soundboard, do you want to sing in a choir? You're going to do something. You're not just going to sit in church and play on your phone all day, amen? So I would encourage us as parents not to be too iron-fisted, but certainly encouraging that we get our kids involved in church because it's not just about involvement today, it's about involvement and relationship in the future. Thirdly, earthly leaders are imperfect. They're not perfect. Moses needed the support of Aaron. You know, when Mo I mentioned the Amalekites, they were fighting the Amalekites, Aaron and, uh, 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 Aaron and her had to do what? Hold up the hands of Moses. Because as his hands were lifted, the Israelites were, would prevail. And when he would get tired and his hands would drop, they would begin to lose. Our leaders need our support. One thing we've talked about on the elders board is really being able to share the load. And I like the idea of us not having a pastor for a while so that we can step up as elders, right? And we can be that touch point with our membership here so that when the pastor does come, that he or she won't be so overburdened that he will say, kill me now, as Moses said more than one occasion. <laughs> I'm reading that and I'm just like, man, he's like, these people are so cantankerous, Lord, just kill me now. But he was stressed out, and I understand that. It was Moses' father-in-law who encouraged him to appoint judges to share the workload. We have about 30% of the people that, that, that return tithe and offering, church-wide, church, Adventist church-wide. Probably about the same amount of people that share in the workload of the church. And I see people get stressed out and burned out. It's not a good way to do ministry we can share the load, we can do a whole lot more. Moses, again, was not perfect. He was fallible. Numbers 20 tells the story of Israelites' lack of water, right? They had no water, and uh, they were ex Moses was exasperated, and he just went at, God told him to, what, speak to the rock? And he grabbed the rod, and he hit the rock. Not only once, he hit it twice. And immediately, this is Numbers 20, immediately God told him, because of your disobedience, you are not going to see the promised land. And it wasn't until many, many years later where God held him accountable by putting him to rest before the children of Israel entered the promised land. 
But the good part of that story is that God is a God of mercy. Because he says that when you do sin, there are earthly consequences that you have to pay. Right? But I believe that I will see Moses in heaven. Amen? God is a God of mercy. After Moses struck the rock and he was told that he had to pay these earthly consequences, we find in Mark 9 that when Christ was about to be transfigured, he was seen with who? Elijah and Moses. Amen. And Jude 1, 9, they talk, or Jude, there's only one chapter 9, Jude 9, there's only one book, one chapter, right? Did you say Jude 1, 9, or just, did you just say Jude 9? Pastor, what, what's the appropriate way? You say 1, 9? You say 9, right? Jude 9. Also, Satan tried to wrestle with God for Moses. There are some, you know, you know some, some people don't believe that. You take that as his will, but you take that as, you, as it will in terms of Moses, where Moses is. I believe that he's in heaven today. Even if you don't believe that, Hebrews 11 lists him. They dedicate a whole passage to him about his faithfulness to God. So God does not look at your weakest moment and determine who you are. God sees your potential. He sees all that you've done, and he'll make his determination based on that. I believe we serve a God that is a merciful God. I believe we serve a God that is a God of second chances. Whether you're, whatever, regardless of the role that you play in church, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you were last night, regardless of if you were checking your phone to see the heat score last night, have mercy, Father. I got to turn off notifications on Sabbath, man, because it'd be like, let me check the Bible app. See for notif- notification. But regardless of that, your shortcomings, when we may miss the mark, God still wants to forgive you and save you. Amen? I'm so happy today that we serve this God that, that wants to be able to use you as a leader in your circle. You're going to be a leader at your house, someone that can lead people to Christ at your job, someone that can lead people to Christ even at your school, whether you go to public school or even at union. We know there are kids there who need to be led to Christ. Amen? Huh. So God can use you even when you are imperfect. The Miami Heat in 2006 after he had that 11 and 10 start, they ended up winning about 70% of the rest of their games. And they won the championship that year. Amen? And it's because that regardless of what happened, their change in leadership, they decided that we had a work to do to, to finish. They pulled together and they finished the work. Tabernacle, we have a work to do. We don't have a permanent pastor right now. But that doesn't change the fact that there's people across the street that need to hear a word from the Lord. There are people at the rescue mission who we can serve food and show the love of Christ to. Amen. There are people who don't have shoes on their feet that we can provide them shoes. Regardless of who, what the pastor is, regardless of what the conference is doing, regardless of what the NAD, even GC is doing, we have a work to do right here in the territory that God has provided for us. So what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to have everyone that is participating in an outreach effort this afternoon, I want you to stand. 
whether you've signed up or whether you're about to sign up, whether you're now motivated to go, I want you to stand. We're going to do a special prayer over you today. If you're still considering it, I'll give you a moment if you're still considering it. We have several options for you to participate in. You don't have to talk to people. You can help us with, uh, with, with, with several different options. We'll, we'll go through that when you, in, the, in the lobby or immediately after church here today. But I'd like, to send, I'd like to say a special prayer for you today as we begin to head out. Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to continue in ministry, for the opportunity to be used by you, though imperfect we may be. We trust that your blood is sufficient to forgive us for our sins, that your blood is sufficient to wipe away the slate of all of the bad things that, we, that we've done so that we can be used wholly by you today. So, Father, Father we ask for a special uh, dispensation of your Holy Spirit. As we go to engage with the, with the public, even though we may not know the words to say, we trust that the Holy Spirit will speak through us. Even though we may not know what to do, we trust that the Holy Spirit will lead and that what we are about to experience this afternoon will not be for self-glory or self-adulation or self-praise, not for an Instagram post, Father, but to touch a life, to draw a life closer to you by being of service to our neighbors. So, Father, I ask that you will bless each person that is committed to going out this afternoon. Give us the boldness of, of Daniel and the strength of, uh, 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 of David as a young man to do what it is that you would have us to do today. Help us to be a light in this world. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. You may be seated. I told you I wasn't going to hold you long today. I'd like for us to save our energy as we head out into the world as we head out into the streets today in our city, serve Sabbath. We'd like to invite you all for lunch immediately after uh, the close of service today. And then we'll meet at 2.30 on the third floor in the JL Chapel for further instructions. Thank you, and we're gonna ask that the praise team will come, or I'll lead out if y'all, I don't know what y'all wanna do. We're coming, all right, all right. We're marching to Zion. Please stand for our closing song, Marching to Zion.